Everyone is a character. All characters are Tatiana. Conclusion, Tatiana is everyone. You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an orphan black podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and Stephanie is out of town. So thank you, Kevin Batchelder, for filling in. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. Been looking forward to getting on here with you and or Stephanie at some point. So this is very cool. And we've timed it right because Ksenia Solo debuted in this episode, you had actually sent us a message like a month ago. Like, if you need anybody to to guest on that episode, I am more than willing. (laughs) Yes, the timing certainly came together perfectly, didn't it? It did. And you can catch Kevin at Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV is the podcast he does. Yes, covering all the genre shows, including Off in Black and many others. So we are going to be talking about episode 305, Scarred by Many Past Frustrations. And there will be no spoilers for anything past this point, mostly because we don't really know anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are in the moment. But but we won't even be talking about anything that happened in the promo for next week. So no spoilers um, past episode 305. Stephanie doesn't like that stuff, so I will not mention anything. Gotta gotta keep it safe for her to listen to. Exactly. So she can correct everything we say wrong next week. <laughs> I expect a lengthy email with notes. Probably not, but maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and we love her just the way she is. So if you've listened to the first impressions episode, I really, really, really liked this episode, even though there was like stress crying and then laughing and then stress crying some more. <laughs> So what did you think about the episode, Kevin? Well, I thought your quick recap was just spot on. Holy crap. I mean, we had tons and tons of stuff. I mean, uh, things were really ramped up for this season, which to me has been enjoyable, but been a bit of a slow burn up. I mean, you know, the episode we're talking about today was like, oh, this is in so many directions. My notes are a mile long. (laughs) It has been a different season. Like, it's felt different. And it has been way slower going than the two before. And and I think part of it is that we haven't spent as much constant time with our main Lita clones as we have before. Yeah, that, that that's definitely my feel, too. I know a lot of fans, certainly on our podcast, and I'm sure with you folks, too, it's just we all grew to love them so much to have less of them for several episodes has, has, has naturally been the way to introduce the casters and get the story going. It's just, you know, been a little you know, dampening for some of that excitement. Yeah, it's it's felt weird. Like, I don't, I'm not opposed to it, but it it's sort of a, a weird feeling to me. Yeah. Well, because it, it, it's different than what we expected, I think. So that's, yes. what, that's what throws folks off, you know? We've, ha- we've had bits of it, and even this episode was Allison-free, so, you know, you, you got to take what you get and roll with what's coming down. Pretty much. I was, I was talking to my dad about it yesterday. And it's like, that was such a great episode. And we finally got to spend a lot of time with the Lita clones. And it's like, but there was no Allison. <laughs> like, I know, but, you know, there yeah. was so much other stuff going on that even though I would have liked to have caught up with Allison, I, I didn't necessarily miss her in the moment. Yeah. And I think part of it is, you know, naturally, she and Donnie are often the, the stress relief or the comic relief. 
Right. And, and without that, that made this one certainly the tension was a little higher. I mean, certainly Felix gave us a little, but I just think the it was ratcheted up a bit. And certainly from some of the comments I'm seeing online from folks was, you know, like like you said, just a big, okay, it's over. I can I can breathe now. <laughs> I, I actually got messages from my friend Rebecca after the episode last night, and she's she kept typing in all caps, and she's like, "Sorry about the all caps, but I can't help it." <laughs> yeah, see, that's where it did bring back some season one and season two stuff because it was just like, oh my god, I, I'm going to get my muscles are all tense from just sitting here holding the chair. The arm of the chair, like somehow I'm going to fall out or something. Pretty much. <laughs> so let's start off talking about Sarah and Helena, since I think there's a sort of like the A story. Yes. Yeah, that's some real quality time together across the cells, huh? Oh, man. And like, I, I kind of figured that was what was going to happen to Sarah. Mm-hmm. But it's nice that they kind of started off that way. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, the dangling bit at the end of the last episode and, and, you know, the guy's talking about, we don't leave loose ends, you know, part of you gets a little concerned. Does that mean they're going to try to put Sarah on the ground? But no, we got to bring her back. And I'm like, okay, okay. That's, that's much better. I'm okay with that. Pretty much. <laughs> but meanwhile, Poopak is such a punk. <laughs> Definitely went, went more on the, uh, yeah, totally manipulating Helena, certainly it seemed like, you know? Ah. <sighs> Such a such a tricksy little mind scorpion. Yeah. Well, it just and and this episode certainly from everything that happened too reminded us of of how edgy and how ruthless Helena can be. You know, we've seen her kind of little softer side of her for a while, but this reminded us: wow, she can totally go toe to toe with anyone, can't she? I had no doubt, but yeah, it was it was one of those things that was alternately heartbreaking and heartwarming. <laughs> the Sarah Helena story during the entire episode, just because, I mean, we, we got hints of it last week that Helena was starting to believe what Dr. Cody had been telling her about Sarah abandoning her. Mm -hmm. She had the exchange with Parsons where she said something about, you know, our, our families have abandoned us or something. And he's right. like, no, Helena, they haven't <laughs> just hold on. Sarah's looking for you. <laughs> I know, and that's just, the build-up to it was, oh, it's not going to go well. It's so not going to go well for Sarah, because you know she's she's Helena, so if she starts to believe it and her scorpion friend is just reinforcing it, that's not going to go well for Sarah. It's really not. No, and, and boy, did it totally spin. I mean, aside from giving her the cold shoulder and not really answering her questions and putting her on the spot, I I got to say, I didn't expect her to just tell her, hey, we're even, and leave her in the cell. I wasn't sure what way that was going to go. Like, I I worried it might, but I kind of don't think I thought it would. <laughs> you <No>. know, like, <laughs> you're just kind of like, it might go that way. It can't go that way, though, right? No, because talk about ripping our heart off of Sarah. I mean, all the stuff she went through to try to find her and putting her life on the line and everything else. And then, you know, taking taking the beating to get into the infirmary to steal something to help her and and then to have her turn around and basically just, you know, wag her finger at her metaphorically, nah, 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 I'm leaving. I'm like, oh, man, talk about a gut punch. I know. And, well, here's the thing, though. I kind of wish Sarah had actually said to Helena, like, I have been looking for you since yeah. you disappeared. But she never said it. No. 
No, she, she. I was surprised she she eased off. I mean, that's usually her style. She doesn't hold anything back, you know. I mean, she's always just totally left it out there. But you can tell, uh, and I think some of the comments we've got coming up, it, that emotional bond between the two of them, despite Sarah shooting her at one point. I mean, it's just so close that sometimes you you don't say the things you should because you assume people know how much you care or whatever. And and she didn't tell her everything she went through to get to her. So Helena's just you know being helena yep but then like you know the the sarah shooting her thing that was in response to helena trying to choke her out with a chain so like <laughs> you know it, it's this weird I didn't say it wasn't up. unwarranted it's still though no, no, she and, shot her <laughs> but i mean there, there was that comment from tatiana mislane in i think that during the first hiatus where she was talking about you know, Helena's entire modus operandi is is love. She's just doing it the complete wrong way. <laughs> yeah. So she doesn't she doesn't know. You, you know, know, who knows how she interpreted Sarah's shooting her is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I know, I know. I We're trying to put laugh, the logic but... on it from an outside looking in, not having been in her shoes, literally. Uh, so yeah, it's tough. It's just, you know, such a nice complex character. But God, yeah. And that's why I say this was a lot to me like a season one or season two ep that my gut, I mean, I just really felt it and felt so bad for Sarah. Right. Oh, except now there's all that, like, we, we know so much more about the characters and we're so much more attached to them that everything just hurts more now. <laughs> Yeah, to I mean, me. I so I so wanted to see the two of them, you know, running down the hallways, going over the fence together. Oh, that would have been so great. Yeah, with the even with the little scorpion trailing behind, you know, faster, faster, <laughs> faster, or something. You know? So I felt like I got cheated out of seeing that. Ah, uh, maybe later this season. <laughs> I, I'm holding yeah. out hope that Helena, because she seemed to genuinely regret leaving Sarah. Yeah, she did have that final moment, you know, at the top of the wall. So it's good that it's still there. You know, it reminded us it's still there in her heart just a little bit. But uh, Right. Because it seems like she kind of was like, oh, but I really shouldn't have done that. But then it was just too late to go back. So oh, no, no, I'm, yeah, no I'm way. hopeful that Helena's going to get possibly back to Toronto or something and get help and come back. Because we still don't know where they are. I know. You know, I mean, she's out in a desert. Is it the middle of a desert with miles to go? Or is this like just down the street or something? We still, you know, we haven't, at least unless I've missed it, I we haven't got that detail of knowing, has she got any shot of surviving outside the wall? It would be a really, really long street if they were down the street from where they were. Because <laughs> they're know, in the desert <laughs> and uh, it looked pretty cold in, yeah, in I know, Toronto. I've seen lots of great speculation <laughs> about where it might be, but still it's... Yeah, this this is not a short little jaunt for her to get to civilization, I don't think. I, I would guess that Sarah is close if she's not completely accurate. Because she mentioned Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, Sarah would have a better guess than I would, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we didn't, and, and I know I saw some comments from folks, since we didn't see the end of last episode to this point, I mean, did it take them a couple hours to get there, two days? I mean, we don't know. Right. You know, they, they've done a good job of still keeping us in the dark about that. We couldn't even speculate if it was just a car ride. Right. And we don't know if they knocked Sarah out. So we don't know if yeah. Sarah actually knows how long it took them to get there. So, yep. So yeah. they're still keeping that one very, very much for debate and question as to what it might mean. Although they did have the little behind the scenes thing during the episode where John Fawcett and Graham Manson were talking about you know, the inspiration for their camp. And they were talking mm -hmm. about things like Zero Dark Thirty. So I really just don't know anymore is basically what no. I'm getting at. No, and no they showed, clue. you know, 
the great detail of how they created the set and everything. I mean, heck, watching it the first few episodes we saw it, I'm like, well, they commandeered some actual location. I'm like, nope, that's still on a soundstage somewhere. That's a really impressive stage. It is. Uh, yep. set. Mm-hmm. But yeah, after after Sarah mentioned Mexico, it's like, I could see that being possibly Mexico. I don't know. I really have no idea. But No. <laughs> it's like, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. But yeah, uh, Helena being super resourceful and grabbing the little canteen. I mean, thinking to grab the canteen and like knowing where to maybe find one and then doing the crazy like parkour leap. <laughs> yeah, but even before that, the the butter and getting through the little window of the cell. I'm like, oh, what man. a little crazy little <laughs> to to think that far ahead to be able to butter yourself up to fit through the thing and everything and time it with the camera going back and forth. You know, this is one brilliant crazy girl. <laughs> and to to think to hoard the butter yeah. for that purpose. <laughs> Now, I don't want to overanalyze, but, you know, we love to do it. Um, if they are in a very warm, hot area, wouldn't a lot of that butter have melted, even though it's in the wall, cool walls? But I don't want to go there. It was still too cool, the whole concept. That's probably true. Yeah. But, I mean, if it's in the little wrapper, it would have to yeah. be really, really hot for it to get so liquid so, yeah. that it would and get out of the wrapper. And if it's in the brick and the wall, it's probably very cool. So, I don't know. Overthinking, as usual. <laughs> that's that's what we do here. It's fine. <laughs> It's good. It's good. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> but yeah, uh, apparently they auditioned contortionists to to do that. I'd like to know, and I'm hoping we get one of those behind the scenes on exactly what they asked them to do to, <laughs> to prove their ability to do this. They they apparently had they actually had like a, a small door or something that they asked them to you know go through. Yeah, and apparently the the one woman who did it in the most interesting way <laughs> yes <laughs> is the one they hired i can just see him putting him in a room and going okay you have 30 seconds click go <laughs> you know see you on the other side otherwise you didn't get the job <laughs> <laughs> and now i'm thinking about that 30 rock episode where jack needed somebody to fit through a dog door so he handed the two the two possible candidates a a wire hanger <laughs> <laughs> Who can fit through this wire hanger? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway. So shall we move on to Mrs. S and Felix and Gracie? Oh, we might as well learn. It'll be a four-hour podcast if we don't. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much to talk about with Sarah there and is. Lena, Yeah, I know. We gotta, we gotta be aware of that. <laughs> but we'll save it for the hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So before... Stephanie and I were wondering where Gracie would go. Mm -hmm. I, of course, had seen the promo for this week's episode and knew she ended up with Mrs. S and Felix, but I was I was kind of surprised that she went to art. Yeah. Like, it makes sense, given what we've seen already. Like, oh, because she had the business card. But I just, I wasn't thinking about that before. Yeah. No, that was smart thinking on Sarah's part. Give her an anchor, someplace to go, and still be able to keep an eye on her. Very smart. And mm -hmm. But I'm I'm still a little surprised that she actually did it. And I don't know why. <laughs> but she, yeah. Well, no, I wasn't surprised because if you put her, put yourself, pardon me, in her place at this point, she has just been shunned by everybody. I mean, that is she's true. got nothing. She's got nobody. 
Yeah, the only thing was the little discussion she just had with Sarah there at the at the what was it the restaurant or diner or something. So mm-hmm. you know it makes sense. Yeah, and I suppose everybody everybody else that she knows she doesn't necessarily know where they are. So mm-hmm. that's true. That's probably the only actual location she has that she knows she can go to. So yeah, so it was a little surprise, but certainly made perfect sense. And and I was pleasantly surprised when he said he had an idea where to take her. I, I hadn't even drawn the. The line of going to Mrs. S and Felix. Yeah. I guess that is also surprising to me that Art would think, oh, Mrs. S will take her in. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I guess in the, the category of having limited, having limited options, it makes sense. Yeah. And somebody that's on the inside and understands all the craziness of what's going on. It's not like they got four or five choices of where to go. Exactly. Yeah. But I did. I loved. Well, first of all, I love seeing Mrs. S again. Yeah, getting because we were more, we were yeah. getting a little like, where is Mrs. S? <laughs> yeah, well, especially all we've had was her just so beaten down too. We haven't had her in Mrs. S form either. Right. So I guess that's where Mrs. S has been. Mrs. S has been healing because mm-hmm. she looked she looked a lot healthier this episode. True. Just the the tasteful cut over her eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a TV injury. <laughs> yes. Anyway. But I, I appreciate that Mrs. S was so willing to take Gracie in and was so kind and compassionate to her. Yeah, that's just, it's her nature coming through, you know. It makes us realize why she was good, such a good thing for Sarah and Felix. Um, you know, that willingness to give folks a chance. Because, uh, you know, Felix was in rare form with his <laughs> paranoia about the Prolethians and who she was and everything else. So, Nicknaming her Baby Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he had three or four great lines. I, I, you know, missed him the first time around. Had to do it on the rewatch. Like he gets his his little zingers in there so well. Oh, Felix! <laughs> right down to the skinny dipping in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> and Mrs. S putting him in his place about it. Yeah, it's like you weren't much better when you came here. Yeah. <laughs> but she didn't. Gracie certainly embrace her wild side when she realized she wasn't in the. The nunnery or whatever you want to call it anymore, so to speak. <laughs> Looks oh, like she found man. one of Sarah's outfits from, you know, 2001 or whatever. And yeah, I'm going on the town. I think that was Sarah was wearing in the first episode. It might have been. Well, maybe it was. Yes. <laughs> if it wasn't, it was close. <laughs> yeah. I love the look on, on Felix's face when he saw her and then actually saw her like oh this is so not happening okay <laughs> what are we gonna do <laughs> oh, and i just how sweet was it that mrs s is sort of like here we'll we'll make a makeshift safe club for you to party in in my living room yeah yeah <laughs> i realize you're like a 16 year old who's never tasted alcohol better to do it in the safety of the living room <laughs> It was very smart on her part. She's obviously dealt with enough uh, problems with kids that age to know, I need to control this. <laughs> oh, poor Gracie never would have made it if she'd actually gone no. out somewhere. And and kudos to the actress, too, because once she was at the point where she, you know, appeared to have had a few drinks, and, I mean, just when she turned and went, I love alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, haven't we all been there? <laughs> Oh, Gracie. Yeah, poor little innocent Gracie. And that was the, you know, another 
punched to the gut when she's actually having some fun and gets in such critical pain. And, you know, we get the bigger mystery part of her, too, when the paramedics are there. I know. And it's another one of those I should have seen it coming moments. Yeah. Yep. It is. It's one of those ones where I, as a, as a viewer, I go, ah, it's got too passive, Kev. You weren't thinking ahead. You should have known something was coming. Yeah. Anytime anybody gets a little too, like, oh, she's finally free of the Prolethians and, yeah. you know, she can live her life, but no. No, this is Orphan Black. That's not how that works. Mm-hmm. But uh, how about that uh, reveal with Mrs. S talking to her about what happened to her when she was younger and eloped and all? I know. We've been waiting for some information. I know we've gotten a couple of messages over the over the past couple of years about, like, well, you know, well, she's Mrs. S, so who was Mr. S? Was mm-hmm. there a Mr. S? But yes, apparently there was. And his name was John. And apparently... Felix and Sarah didn't really know that much about him. No, that was a big surprise that she had never even revealed anything. It sounded like, by the way, Felix took it like, well, you know, where did this come from? I know. But apparently, I mean, I guess I'm not that surprised that it was a matter of, you know, him being in sort of a a wild crowd or something. I mean, mean, I'd imagine it would be a wild crowd that he ends up being killed by a pair of garden shears to the neck oh yeah i mean and and you ladies have talked about it you know international badass that she is i mean i've had visions of everything from her on the back of a harley to her you know running a motorcycle gang to everything else in between so (laughs) (laughs) nothing would surprise me (laughs) that's that's kind of (laughs) true so yeah that was but that was another gut punch too again another reason why this episode had so many ways to to get at you right but I, I liked the story about how her Aunt Joan took her in. Because, like, I can see that, you know, that makes sense to me, what we know of Mrs. S now. Like, I I can see that, oh, that's where she got that. Mm-hmm. That was a good reveal, I thought. Yes. Yeah, now going to get us thinking about a bigger story for what went on with that, too. Well, and then I'm wondering, like, what happened to Aunt Joan then? I don't know why I'm wondering that, but I am wondering that. Yeah, well, that's why I said that's, I think, a bigger story that we're eventually going to get at some point is is that whole, the younger Mrs. S days of how that all tied together. Again, this show with its, you know, I'm going to give you new information and it will make you wonder about these 10 other things. <laughs> yeah, just another thing for you to talk about on the months between shows. So many months. <laughs> <laughs> 42 every year. <laughs> oh, excuse me, weeks. <laughs> oh, weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pardon me. <laughs> 42 months? No. <laughs> it seems feels like 42 like months, yeah. but no. 10 weeks on, 42 off. Uh. But, you know, at least it is 42 weeks and not never having a new episode. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bright side, bright side. And now that I've said bright side, let's go back to talking about how Gracie is sick now. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, after finding out that Gracie... Well, I guess it's be- right before we find out that Gracie has whatever the caster STD is. Assuming it is a caster STD. But mm-hmm. we find out Art has has gone to get, I guess, a follow-up interview or something with, with Patty, who was the one who was assaulted by Rudy and Seth earlier this season. And we find out that she has been sick also. Yeah. And she's got the red eyes. Although she seems to be, 
you know, functional aside from that. She said she has been sick. Exactly. And you don't know to what degree. That's where they did a good job teasing us. I, I really like the fact that they showed us her and, and we didn't have, what, maybe five minutes to start wondering before we saw that Gracie had the same thing. So mm -hmm. is Gracie's other problem or pain or whatever that is related to it or that is that just pregnancy related or something else? You know, they've again, they've done enough to give us uh, a, a wonder but not be able to tie it together yet till we get at least another episode aired to see to what degree this uh, red eye thing has got uh, other effects. You know, when someone says they were sick, what does that mean, you know? Yeah, because it is one of those we haven't seen Patty since the one episode she was in. I think it was 302, right? Yeah, very beginning of the, near the beginning of the season, yes. And so, yeah, we don't know if she was also having some sort of, you know, stomach cramping or whatever. We don't know how she's been. She just said she's been sick, but mm -hmm. I guess on the plus side, like, she's still walking around and seems more or less okay aside from the red eyes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> nope. Nope, we don't again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been saying I don't know an awful lot this season <laughs> because yeah, I have. You can just set that up as an audio clip and hit the button every five minutes when you talk about the show because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I wish I knew, but I don't know. That's why I love the show. <laughs> but but do we think it's safe to assume that it is a caster STD? I am making that assumption. I think a lot of people are. It certainly logically makes a heck of a lot of sense, yes. Especially in light of the book. You exactly. know, that Paul was leafing through and everything and, and taking the hair. It just totally seems like it. And even Mother telling Mark to, you know, giving him his little book and, you know, put your notes in kind of thing. So... Same thing there. They've obviously got a much bigger scope to what they're doing with this. Right. Because uh, we did actually get in a, either one or two emails from people asking if or, or mentioning that it seems like, you know, Mark getting a new logbook that is empty means that he hasn't slept with anyone before. And he does say that to Gracie. He says something about, you know, oh, the other guys would, you know, go yeah, out with girls. But he, their, he sort yes. of... He sort of hints at the fact that he never did. So, mm -hmm. so yep, yeah, that's why. So, and and very telling too when when uh, I can't, I, you know I keep referring to his mother um, took off his wedding band. Yes, you could, you could definitely see that uh, didn't sit well with him. So you know he's I think he's still got serious feelings for Gracie. Right. Well, because he did say to you something about uh, how they're not supposed to have any attachments. So, mm -hmm. which of course you know given what we know now about a potential caster STD, like that makes more sense now too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping at one point that might be what is going to motivate him to maybe, you know, help out Sarah or somebody else that might be in the compound when he realizes, you know, emotionally he needs to get back to Gracie and really does and is willing to, to quote, fight the system. I'm back in my head. That's one of my tangents that I see maybe as a way to, uh, work from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And I think we got hints this episode that like maybe even Paul will be involved with that. Yeah, he's none too happy, is he? Well, he's not too happy with Sarah, because as he said, you know, all you had to do was stay away kind of thing. But he's still not liking the fact that they're using her as a lab rat, basically, too. Well, and I think there were strong hints this episode, too, that Paul maybe isn't as in the loop as he thought he was. Yeah. 
because we see him investigating stuff. Like he he goes and unzips the body bag that has Parsons in it, right? And he's looking at the little head cage thing that they had on Parsons, and I'm still not sure why he was looking at that, but he was. And then we see him flipping through that logbook too. So it certainly seems like Paul doesn't know as much as he maybe thought he did. I'm getting a hunch myself that it's one of those things where he doesn't want or he didn't want to know too much for fear of not liking what he'd find. But now that Sarah is embroiled in this and he realizes that he he can't keep an arm's length, I think now he's getting more curious, which could prove to be a problem for him. Right. So, yeah, the fact that, like you said, looking at the, the head restraint and looking through the book is kind of like that. OK, I guess I'm all in. What the heck is going on here? So, yeah, I think there are strong suggestions that we now at least have a couple of people within the Project Caster system who are maybe questioning what's going on there, maybe don't want to be there. So, yeah, those are other possible means of getting Sarah the heck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> because that yeah. is all I am concerned about at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Not all I'm concerned about, but... And part of my mind goes to the fact of with Helena over the wall, uh, if she has any shot of getting anywhere, they're going to be sending all the guys or the soldiers out to find her. So maybe that gives Sarah a chance to get out or Paul a chance to spring her. But just when she gets sprung, maybe Helena's brought back in. So we're still going to have that that uh, tug, you know, push-pull of who are we most concerned about. I don't think it'll happen this way, but the way I'm kind of thinking it you know, would be great if it happened, is because Helena has escaped, like, maybe they'll send out, as you were saying, send out all or most of the people to go find her. Meanwhile, Helena has doubled back <laughs> and goes and saves Sarah. Because she's just heartbroken and realizes you should have been nicer to her. I can see that. And I would cheer for that. I don't think it'll happen. But <laughs> like, in my brain, no. that is what is happening right now. <laughs> Certainly not if the scorpion has anything to do with it. Ah, damn it, Can't you just see that? You're going the wrong way. What are you doing? To you? <laughs> uh, I want to know, do you think at some point this season, someone else is going to see the scorpion? Or is it totally in her head? Well, it is. I, I phrased it incorrectly. What I'm really oh. thinking is, are we going to have that scene where oh, she's you want, like you want a joint delusion? It. Yeah. Or she's talking to it and someone else then comes in the loop about what exactly is going on. You know, who are you oh. talking to, girl? You don't, what do you mean? You don't see him? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was fantastic where they had Helena talking to Pupak and, and Sarah is just kind of like, what are you talking about? Yeah, what is going on? But it's interesting. Almost every time she is talking to him, like when she discovered the little, the tiny little nail she could use and some other things she's discovering, it's like it's a little savant for her as far as important stuff. So they're doing a good job. It's not just the, the silly imaginary thing. It's actually pushing her and pushing some of the plot things. Too. Yeah. So I, I, I'm wondering if it becomes a bigger piece or it's just that little Jiminy Cricket on her shoulder thing for a while. Yeah. Pupak's totally like a sassy kind of evil Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, totally. Just as one might expect from Helena. <laughs> so... We'll talk about now uh, something that has upset a lot of people online. Yeah. But will I'm probably sure. be exciting for Kevin to talk about. We're going to talk <laughs> about Kasima and Shay. Shay Sima. 
I was going to say, have we picked a, a ship name yet? <laughs> that is what I keep seeing online these days is oh, okay. Shasima. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know about you. I thought they were kind of cute together. I, and I know we're going to get the wrath of, of some of the existing shippers, and I don't blame you. But yeah, they, the chemistry and it was seemed very, very natural. Not forced at all, you know, Kasima's so cute being uncomfortable doing this and, and everything else. And, and, you know, Shay is, is very warming. It seems like she can talk to almost anyone and, and does a good job with her. So, you know, I want to hope that she's good and this is just a natural relationship, but it's Orphan Black. Literally, the note I have written is, Shay is cute, Chris likes her, and then in parentheses, and hopes that doesn't blow up in her face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, and I got to keep tempering myself being the huge Ksenia Solo fan to like, I can't just embrace and say, oh, isn't this cute together? I've got to go, okay, what's her end game? What's she being used for? Does she know she's being used? What does it all mean? I can't just kick back and enjoy it. I got to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much and like this is entirely selfish i realize and and just because i like ksenia solo but you know part of me just kind of feels like you know we've we've been through this so much and every new person it feels like is some sort of spy or or agent or something i'm like can't there just be like a normal person <laughs> in yes. these people's lives like wouldn't yes. that be sort of more more shocking almost to have just like a regular that's person. They, yeah. And that's why I convinced myself like, well, they do need to balance it. So they can't all be evil. They can't all be mean. Hopefully this is the first, you know, really genuinely nice one who's just going to come in, help one of our characters and then, you know, move back. I, I'm hoping it's probably a crazy theory, but that's what I'm hoping because the reality is, yeah, it's going to be revealed that, because poor Cosima just ends up, you know, she's so nice. Uh, the whole situation with Delphine, you know, and being the martyr and all. I just, for her, if she had another relationship with someone who turned out to be, quote, using her, I mean, I'd feel so bad for her. Yeah. It, poor Cosima is so, I think she's just so open-hearted that... And of course, it's so weird because the whole thing with Delphine started, she's like, I know she's my monitor, but I kind of don't care. But because, like, I know that I'm moni I'm monitoring the monitor. And we're all kind mm -hmm. of like, you're not fooling anyone, Kasima, but except no. for maybe herself. But well, because she's so, you know, being in the scientist and, and having her mind always thinking and working on things, her heart just tends to sit there on her sleeve. And, you know, I just, I, again, I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I don't want to see her get hurt. I mean, she's gone through so much. So, but, you know, with the whole shot of the photographer outside the window shooting the pictures of the two of them, I'm like, oh, great. You just had to do that. You couldn't give me one episode where it was totally nice. You had to do that right away. Of course they did. <laughs> but but here's here's why I'm and, – and you listened to the First Impressions episode, so I already, I'm pretty sure I already said this in there, but – I'm I'm holding out hope for Shay because if Shay was an agent, why would there be somebody else outside taking pictures of her? Yeah, I, again, that makes logical sense. <laughs> but you know, they're always going to throw a, a, a curveball at us because yeah, if, if the camera was totally focused only on Cosima, then we would think yes. So of course they have to shoot some shots of Shay to make us go, oh, oh, maybe, maybe. Of course, we're also at the point in the series where there are so many different factions involved like you could still 
have Shay be working for somebody and have the photographer be working for somebody else. Like, it still works. It still could work. Yeah. See, see, I make myself feel feel better, (laughs) and then I make myself feel worse. So... (laughs) Such is the cycle of of being an orphan black fan. <laughs> now, I have a question for you, too. When we first saw that scene when Kasimra's at the bar just before Shay's coming in, so she's talking to the uh, the bartender. Bobby. Um, wow. I mean, my instinct is like, oh, they almost look like twins, too. Is that just me? I mean, I know she's not one of the clones, but... I guess I wasn't that, thinking about it. I, I'm just visually just like, wow. I mean, it, it's almost like they were trying to create a... A, a double, make you look double at that point, but... She did kind of have the, the glasses were similar yes. in, in eyeliner and stuff and tattoos, I suppose, so... Yeah, maybe it was just my brain doing a little too much overdrive. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. <laughs> and how about the uh, the scene when they go back to the apartment and she's, you know, a little massage? That's a lot of candles, it's a lot of candles. <laughs> was my first thought. And that's a lot of chemistry in the air, uh, I got to tell you. They do have really good chemistry. They really, really do. Uh, you I'm know, sorry, Kofiin shippers. I know, and I'm pleased. You know, don't burn me at the stake. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's, here's my take on shipping, right? Like, I totally find multi-shipping acceptable. And in a show like this, I think you have to because of the way things constantly twist and turn. It's not like a, and I don't want to say a regular show, but it's not the type of show where you can have a couple or whatever that you like and just know that over the course of a series, it'll go up and down. This is one where you know there's always other groups coming in or out, so you you have to live in the moment if you're going to get the most out of it. So, yeah, I, I still very much, you know, want to see Delphine and her get back together. But at the moment, ooh, I'm enjoying the two of them together. I got to tell you, boy, talk about cutting it with a knife. That was just, you could... <laughs> I was physically leaning forward, like, kiss her, kiss her, kiss her, kiss her. (laughs) And then she did. (laughs) And she did. And then she put her face on her face. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, like, okay, we're moving pretty fast on this one. (laughs) Again, just showing how much poor Kasim has got her heart on her sleeve and is feeling a very magical connection right off the bat. Did you see the the cute pictures that Ksenia Solo posted on, on Twitter? Yes, I did. I did. They're super cute. Yeah, reinforcing the view of things and the couple and everything. They they look like they have a lot of fun on set together. Which... Yes, absolutely. And and again, it comes through because the relationship, and we've seen it sometimes in other shows when you have supposed romantic chemistry and you go, that's not really happening there. This was just natural. Mm-hmm. Stephanie and I have actually talked about this before, that whenever we're watching things, like we we both feel like, you know, if – the actors have a good working relationship or, or are actually friends in real life. Like it adds to the chemistry on screen. Mm-hmm. Cause then it feels more like, you know, Oh, there, there's an actual relationship there in, in the background, you know, like something to build, build on, on screen. So yeah, it looks very natural. I mean, a lot of us see these situations in our real lives with, uh, with friends or other people we know, you know, you you can, if you're not the one involved in it, you can look across the room and see which people are attracted to each other a lot of times, you know, the natural course there. So being able to do it into a TV show and seem that natural is just really cool. So you know it's not forced and put up. So for that reason, if there's that natural connection between those people, so you know they can almost read each other's body movements and body language, you really start to be, or at least I do, feel like I'm literally in the scene 
not mm-hmm. in a creepy way, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that I could be, you know, aware of what's going on. Well, because it's like, you know, actors can have chemistry regardless of, you know, whatever their their personal relationship is. But, you know, like, there, there's that whole thing about how, like, sometimes there are actors who hate each other who have great on-screen chemistry or something like that. But, but to me, like, those things never really read as potentially long-term romance you know what i mean like i just i don't see it right because there, there's no underlying affection anyway mm-hmm. this is this is what i'm yeah. trying to say right the underlying affection i think translates really you well. can at least for me too you can read it when they're in a moment of a scene when there's no dialogue going on mm-hmm. you know i mean we, we get so used to the uh, to hearing people say something that you know naturally that's what we focus on but if you're looking at a couples or people together in a scene and if you can catch those rare moments when there isn't anything being said then that's great acting or great chemistry between people because you just it's an unspoken situation like like comfortable silences mm-hmm. yeah you don't feel that awkward nature you know certainly first dates or first meetings where everybody feels like the last thing i want to hear is two seconds of dead silence <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just gonna keep talking and filling in the blanks and I do think even even if this doesn't work out as a a long term romance or whatever, like it might just be good for Kasima to have somebody to talk to. Again, if if Shay is outside of the situation, absolutely, because right. she <laughs> has been so wrapped up with every single person she's talking to is Dyad or or you know one of her sisters or whatever. I mean. It's it would be nice. It really would be because because friendship. And for us as an audience, we'd appreciate it. We'd we'd say, oh look, she's actually you know, <laughs> being able to have something nice happen to her. <laughs> exactly, Kasima's had a lot going on. Mm, yeah, with physically the and everything, and the... emotionally on all sides for her. Yep. So I, I thought that was another nice touch to it too, right? Like it's you know, Kasima has somebody to talk to about. The Delphine situation, who isn't Felix. (laughs) (laughs) Not that Felix isn't being a good friend about it, but I mean, Felix has the entire time been sort of like, okay, I can't take your pining anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. Do something, girl. Do something. Been less of a a (laughs) sympathetic ear and more of a, okay, get off my couch kind of of a person. So it it might be nice to have have somebody else to talk to. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Yeah, what what most folks would say, a really good friend. I'm going to be I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Was there anything else about Shay Sima that you wanted to say? No, I think we've uh, we, we've got we've got our concerns out and and our <laughs> interests, but we we need more episodes to see them confirmed or squashed like a bug. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping for the best. Yeah, I am hoping for the best, but I Preparing am too for experienced the <laughs> to know what's more likely to happen. Uh, the struggles of being, well, like a TV fan at all, <laughs> right? Yes, a TV fan for a show that's very good at playing with your emotions. Exactly. Yes. But but we are at the point where it, I feel like it would be more shocking if Shay wasn't involved. Because <laughs> everything I've seen online, everybody's like, oh, this isn't going to end well. <laughs> No. I know it's group paranoia, isn't it? We all feed it into each other because the moment either, any one of us tries to take a positive spin, the other person has to talk us back down. Like you're getting too high with your balloon. Come on back to earth. <laughs> <sighs> I am. I am cautiously optimistic at this point. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. 
So let's talk about the feedback we've gotten. We got this voicemail from Carolyn. Hey guys, uh, just my thoughts on this week's episode of Orphan Black. I completely adored it, basically. And like you guys, I thought it was the best episode this of this season so far. Um, I love the Helena Sarah storyline that had me on the edge of my seat throughout. And then it was <laughs> incredibly painful at the end when Helena does that 180 and leaves Sarah behind. But I thought it was so well done at the same time. I have a complicated theory about the relevance of this uh, new revelation with the cast of clones and this apparent sexually transmitted infection they seem to be spreading throughout the community. My thought is it has something to do with maybe an unwanted side effect of some experimental gene therapy they might have been playing with. To explain this, basically, I know gene therapy is used if you have a mutated gene or something wrong in your DNA, you can use gene therapy to deliver new or fixed DNA DNA into your cells. To do that, to actually get the DNA into the cells, they'll use a virus, um, so something that usually causes a disease. They'll change it to have new DNA in it, and then the virus will use the techniques that it usually uses to infect your cells and make you sick, but instead it infects your cells and delivers new or fixed DNA that is then incorporated into your own DNA. So my thoughts are maybe the caster clones have been experimenting with gene therapy to try and fix whatever has been changed in them during the cloning process and maybe an unwanted or unexpected side effect of using viruses and gene therapy is that the viruses have actually made them sick with something. Whether this is the glitching or not, I'm not sure. Um, But now if they're infected with an unwanted virus they then that's making them sick they then that might be deliberately i'm presuming deliberately going into the community and infecting women with this same virus and then keeping track of the women um, to find out which women get sick from the virus and which women don't get sick from the virus uh, the women that don't get sick could be could be presumed to be naturally immune to this particular virus, and then they could use their DNA, the women's DNA, to figure out a cure for for their own illness that's caused by maybe a, this genetic therapy or virus gone astray. That was my thought and sort of just a way to tie all of this together. I have no idea if I'm right or barking up the wrong tree, but it was just a, a thought and I thought a really interesting way that you could tie this together. Um, it doesn't explain why the women are exhibiting these particular symptoms like the um, the eye inflammation or bleeding or whatever it is and the abdominal pain and why the caster clones don't seem to have that. Um, so I'm not sure it doesn't really fit in that case. Um, whether the glitching is sort of a, a, a male um, expression of this disease or or a different end of the spectrum of this disease, I'm not sure. But, yes, it was just sort of one way to try and tie all this together. Um, hope that's not too complicated. I can't wait for next week, although I'm simultaneously terrified about what they're going to throw at us next. But thanks for doing the podcast once again. Thanks for sending that in, Carolyn. I obviously don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the gene therapy, if it is gene therapy. I mean, I, yeah, the, I guess the point you make about that not affecting the caster clones, but affecting the people the caster clones sleep with, I, I can't explain that either. <laughs> no, but it's an excellent theory. And it's certainly one a lot of folks are going to be wondering because we're between mother and everything else, we're starting to wonder about what they're doing to try to 
uh, find a way to deal with the problems they all the clones are having. So why not this, whatever it is, too? So good idea. Good idea as far as what it might be. I did have a thought about the caster STD. Mm-hmm. Because something we've seen the show do a lot is sort of flip gender roles or gender norms, tropes. Yep. Tropes involving gender with their characters. So I had this thought because there's sort of like a theme in horror movies and mythology where there's the the sexual deadly woman. Mm-hmm. Like yes. in various forms, there are all sorts of mythological creatures, succubi and, and sirens and whatnot. <laughs> Lots of them. So I'm thinking, like, is this a play on that? Mm. Because there's all this, you know, all the women who, like, you know, somehow seduce men into having sex with them and then they kill them or whatever. That's interesting. Do we think that's maybe a possibility? That that's why this is a story they're telling? I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Now that I'm running it through my brain, my first instinct is no, because I think they're (laughs) a little more grounded. But... I mean, I'm not saying that this is any sort of, like, supernatural no, thing. No, 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 but yes, you know, I follow where you're going. The concept okay. was one that, and certainly, like you said, in the way they shift genders and, and different approaches on it, it certainly could be. I, I, I get the hunch that they're going to do something that's a little beyond what we're expecting for this. Or again, this is another one of those, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, a side effect. <laughs> Of something else we had done at one point with the guys, and, and we were just keeping an eye on it just in case so it doesn't become a big problem. I mean, I'm sure they'll have some sort of, like, fantastic, crazy science explanation, but I just wondered if that was maybe, like, why they decided to even tell this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe Sally can fill us in on something we're all not privy to understanding yet. <laughs> just a thought. And then from... Kbash22 in Boston. She says, A few things I picked up in episode 305. Number one, in the scene where Sarah is explaining to Helena why she left Kira with Mrs. S, you can clearly hear the theme to HBO's The Leftovers. That song is used incredibly often in the HBO show, so I found it pretty distracting. Did anyone else? I have never seen The Leftovers. <laughs> I have not either, and it didn't stick out to me, so I take that as a good sign. It didn't take me out of the moment. Okay. I don't know. We'll we'll put it out there. Any any listeners who have seen the leftovers, let us know. I'm I'm curious now. Number two, on the sexual endeavors log Paul was thumbing through, believe it belonged to Parsons, it seemed like height was listed twice for each woman and did not always give the same measurement for each woman. Do you think this was a production typo, or are the casters actually measuring two heights? What could the second height mean? I did not see this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I did not get that much detail myself, but knowing this production group, I doubt it was a typo. They're leading to some other information we don't know yet, or maybe they wanted us to wonder about that, you know? Now I feel like I should have gone and looked up screen caps from the episode. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll do that later. And, and Yeah, Lost created a whole world for us, didn't us? Nowadays, being able to screen cap all these things. Ah, uh, screen capping. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did, I did see, oh, well, in their third point here. On the second page of the log, the last name of the woman is Belle. Could there be a connection to art? 
I did see online somewhere, I think it was on Tumblr, somebody had posted a screen cap of that page. And I looked at it, but I didn't look at it super closely. So I don't know about the the height things. But I did see that they had had a page for somebody named Bell. Hmm. Yep, didn't catch that myself. So and knowing the show and the fact that everyone seems to be connected to everyone else, it's not a big leap to take that jump. I guess we'll find out. Yes. <laughs> That or or they're just messing with our heads. <laughs> yeah, they just want to, you know, red herring, get us talking about that so we're not paying attention to something else that's more important. It's like, let's I see just, how, how eagle-eyed our viewers are. Yeah, let's watch them go running in the wrong direction so we can laugh at them from our ivory tower. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there's like a, a bet among the crew, like how long is it going to take yeah. fandom to find out? <laughs> the answer is like under two hours. <laughs> And I'm totally okay with it. I actually, if you guys are doing that to us, any of the writers are listening, you go right ahead. That's why we love it. <laughs> it's fun, right? Yes. <laughs> it's driving us slowly mad. <laughs> but. <laughs> and then uh, we got a message from Tom. Says, the interactions between Sarah and Helena always seem more powerful than Sarah with Kasima or Allison. One thing I wonder about that is, is it because both Tatiana and Catherine love playing Helena and the freedom it gives them? They give each other that little bit extra as they rehearse and toss lines back and forth? I don't know. See, I always take anything between Helena and Sarah because of their connection to just be that much more, I I almost don't want to say important, but critical to what's going on. So I mm-hmm. see it more as that, maybe more so than the actresses and how they do it. I mean, it might be a natural thing. And, you know, if you're playing something that you just absolutely love, you're just a little bit more intense on it. So it uh, it makes some sense. But I always just thought the two of them are just such a critical center of everything else that's going that that's what makes them that much more entertaining to watch. Right. I always assumed it was, you know, in the script, too, because they do have dialogue that sort of reinforces that idea that you know, we have a connection, that theme through that relationship. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's entirely possible that there's sort of that added bonus of them loving those characters that much. But yeah, I, I guess I just sort of assumed it was in the script as much as anything. Tom also says, Ksenia Solo and Tatiana have worked together before and it shows in their chemistry. My thought is that the photographer works for Dyad, long-distance monitoring, but for some reason Shea is a plant into Cosima's life, just as Delphine was originally. But a plant by whom is undetermined. Wouldn't surprise me if it was the army, knowing she was working the Lita medical problems and any possible tie-in to the casters. Yeah, that could... I mean, we touched on that a little bit earlier in the podcast. There's there's no doubt that could be the case. That's what we're all paranoid about and wondering about. I mean, Cosima's knowledge, because of her... Her, her skills and what she looks into from a science point of view would make anyone, certainly in the caster program or anything else, much more interested in what she knows uh, and what she thinks of things, even more so than an Allison or somebody else, because that's the science side of what might be driving a lot of where they're going. Of course, anything is possible. I personally have trouble seeing Shay as being like in the army, <laughs> which is a ridiculous yeah, yeah. thought to have. I realize that, but... Yeah, I don't think the army, but that doesn't mean they didn't get to her for no, something I else. I mean, we didn't, did we, we haven't, unless I missed it, we haven't seen any of the detail of the whole, you know, Sapphire app and how Shay came to connect with Cosima. 
Right. And I mean, uh, obviously, you know, so. there there's the history of people being plants in various places, but... Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, could, it just could have been someone who was doing nothing more than, like you said, monitoring Kasima's activity and Shay happened to show up, you know? Mm-hmm. It's entirely possible it's a red herring, but... Yeah. Either a red herring or, or yeah. I... I don't know. (laughs) So many possibilities. Five five episodes left for the season. (laughs) Oh, it's half over. Yeah, actually, it is. Yeah, that's right. We're just we're at the halfway point, but geez, we still get so much more to play out on on these things. I mean, subconsciously, it's it's like my mind wants to think that oh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up a lot of these questions, and I'm like, no, this show doesn't do that. I don't they'll know wrap why up I these think, questions oh. eventually, but they'll also give you 20 more. <laughs> yeah, like we're getting near the end of the season. So it's time to start wrapping things up like a lot of traditional shows do. No, Kevin, remind yourself, this is Orphan Black. For every answer we get, there's going to be two more questions, okay? So get used to it. <laughs> and they've already been renewed for season four, so. Yes. I get to play some more of those forward, too, I suspect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 But yes, uh, Ksenia and Tatiana have worked together before. They worked together in, I think it was 2004, on a show called Renegade Press. Which I've heard of, but I've never seen anything of it yet. I think I saw an episode or two. I think mm-hmm. Showtime or somebody was playing it recently. Oh, wow. I'll have to pay closer attention because I'd be curious being, you know, 10 plus years ago. It'd be very interesting to see either or both of them there. Ksenia was in... At least one of the episodes I saw, and she looks so young. Well, yeah, I mean, she was. Years, she was. You know? She was a teenager. But let's face it, all of us looked a lot younger ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. No. <laughs> okay, it's going to be just me for a few minutes here as I record the feedback addendum. Are you ready? Here we go. Rebecca wrote in, she wants to know why Poopock always sounds like she's purring. And I I obviously do not know, but if I had to guess, it's because Poopock is played by Tatiana Maslany, and Tatiana Maslany apparently spends a significant portion of her day pretending that she is a cat. That is the best guess I have. Rebecca also mentions that Paul admits in front of Sarah and Helena that he was behind Helena's capture, yet Helena still blames Sarah enough to leave her behind confusing. And that that's fair enough. But to me, Helena has been told so many different things at this point, And, you know, has spent so much of her life being manipulated, I can understand why she's still, you know, hesitant to believe in anything, really. Plus something we've seen, you know, Helena is very childlike, we keep talking about that. But to me, this is maybe a little bit of, of that, too. Maybe Helena's being a little bit childish and holding the grudge against Sarah. And, you know, it's not without warrant. We know that it's misplaced, but, you know, I don't know that Helena does. That that sense of abandonment, I think, runs deep with Helena. And then Rebecca also says, Kasima and Shay, way more than I expected, too. Crazy chemistry. And yes, I agree with you, Rebecca. We also got a message on... Tumblr, from someone who says that I can call them Elsa Targaryen, but their username is Queen Elsa Targaryen Ravenclaw Elf. 
Their thought is, I don't think Helena just left Sarah for dead. After having seen that daring escape, there was no way in hell that Sarah could ever have managed that, and I think Helena knew this. I think she was just playing cold-hearted. I really hope Helena comes back for her sandwich. I have faith, because there was that moment of hesitation before she jumped over the wall. Do you think she has a secret Sestra rescue plan? As I mentioned before, I hope so. I don't know. But uh, I, I do think that she really did regret it once she got to the wall. And, you know, it's possible. It's possible that she just didn't want to risk Sarah and knew that she'd be able to get out more easily on her own. I mean, that's entirely possible. Jacqueline says, This was the best of the season yet, but still not up to the standard of some of the other OB episodes of the past. My problem with it is that they are going to know Sarah is missing, but how are they going to do anything about it? unless Delphine comes back and gets her out. It seems a bit ridiculous that they can come and go from base, wherever that is, to Clone City as easy as they do. It's not like Toronto is close to Mexico or Afghanistan. And that's a fair point, but uh, I, I don't know. We don't know how much time they're taking to get from one place to the other, so I don't... I don't know. I don't have enough context. I can't explain it. Maybe, Maybe the base is on a soundstage like it is on the TV show. I don't know. Maybe that'll be the big discovery for Helena next episode. <laughs> and as far as Delphine coming back and getting her out, I don't know how Delphine could come back and get Sarah out because Delphine isn't involved with the military at all. I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. Unless you're talking about Delphine as a dyad higher up having some sort of pull with them, like having some sort of of sit-down meeting where they negotiate something. I mean, I guess that's possible, but I don't know. We also got this voicemail from Peg. Hi, this is Peg, and I watched 305 along with everyone else and realized, you know, Paul is actually gaining strength. If he was sent to Washington to negotiate for the extension of the program, um, he might be able to put moral fiber. He and Marion may be able to um, to begin to engage an ethical framework for cloning. Um, wouldn't that be an interesting way to go? Um, pontificating, perhaps, but interesting for some of us. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. And thanks for sending that in, Peg. I had. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to level with you guys. I forgot that that's where Paul had gone. But uh, I, I kind of think that's maybe a good thing that I kind of forgot about it. Because now, like, I have all these possibilities in my mind. Like, I'm really interested about this. Like, ugh, there are just so many possibilities about where this could go. Because, well, for one thing, I still only have the vaguest notion of how Topside fits into everything, like big picture wise. So I would love it if Marion came back into the picture. And you do bring up a good point about Paul being the one Dr. Cody sends to plead their case to the higher-ups. And I wonder if that has anything to do with his snooping around this episode. Because, like, is he playing double agent again? Like, maybe he is. Maybe he went and met with the military higher-ups and they're like, we need you to go look into the Project Caster stuff. Something seems weird there. I mean, I don't know. But the possibilities... I'm excited. Davia says, It was so heartbreaking seeing Helena leave Sarah behind. 
The sisters have always ended up working together, especially these twins. It never occurred to me that Helena would not take Sarah. This coming after Cosima slept with Shay felt like a real betrayal. Really, Cosima had moved on that quickly? Also, given that you're a clone and one of your fellow clone sisters is running in a local election, does it make sense to put your face on a dating site? Poor Gracie. And, well, first of all, we don't know that Cosima slept with Shay. The last we saw was they were kissing. We don't know what happened after that. It's possible, but that was the last we saw of them. And as far as Cosima moving on that quickly, I, I've seen this comment a lot. I know people are frustrated with Cosima. I still hesitate to say that that's necessarily what, I mean, I don't know, because Felix is really the one who pushed her to, to do that. So I don't know. But also, I mean, Delphine broke up with her, so... And we know Delphine had her reasons, but still. I was having this conversation with Stephanie not too long ago that even even if Delphine does have her reasons, which, you know, she does, Delphine has her reasons for breaking up with her, it doesn't mean that Cosima isn't broken up with, you know? So I'd, I'd rather Cosima just be able to be happy for a little while, you know? But yeah, you, you do bring up a good point about having their faces everywhere now. I was actually thinking about that later, that, you know, Cosima was in the bar with Bobby. So how did they explain Cosima to Bobby? Like, did they walk in and go, oh, Bobby, this is Sarah's long-lost twin sister that she didn't know she had, Cosima? <laughs> I have a lot of questions, because it does seem like that sort of becoming a more obvious concern that they might have since they are all in the same city. But then I was thinking about it. It's like, it's not like there weren't two or three of them in the same area before. And things like dating apps and, you know, having their faces out there. I mean, Allison was in a in a community theater production last season, you know, their faces are out there. So I don't know how they've managed to keep it quiet thus far, you know? I have a lot of questions, it turns out. Annette says, I agree with you, Chris. This was the best episode of the season. I knew Helena was going to leave Sarah. It makes me so sad. Helena has been so abused, it was easy to manipulate her into believing Sarah had betrayed her. I think Helena will return for Sarah. She is definitely conflicted. Quote, Sestra, you tear my heart. Loved getting Mrs. S. backstory. I love Mrs. S. She was so sweet to Gracie. Some people could not see how Sarah could look at the casters as her brothers. I think part of it was manipulating Mark, but I also think she accepts them as her brothers. It's not far-fetched to me because I had sisters find me when I was 53 years old. Although I knew about them, I had no interest in meeting them. When they found out about me, they contacted me and we immediately bonded. One of them I am extremely close to, so it's not so far-fetched that Sarah would see them as brothers, in my opinion. And I think that's a good point too, Annette. I really do. Because you know, we, we've talked about this a little bit before, that the thing is, they are in a really similar situation. They do have sort of a combined history, whether they want to admit it or not. But, I mean, I do still see why some people are taking issue with this. I, I get it, because it's not, it's not the same as, like, Sarah's relationship with Felix, but I don't think the show is trying to tell us that it is or anything, you know? But yeah, I, I do think that there's this weird thing that like nobody else in the world can possibly understand, assuming nobody else in the world has been cloned. So I think that would be cause for at least some kind of bond there. That, you know, it, it does make sense to me. Blue Midnight 78 on Twitter. 
says she's a little irritated we skipped to Sarah being held on base. Thought Mark was going to get her in as a ruse. I mean, Sarah tries to save everyone's lives, and this is how they repay her? And that's a good point, but at the same time, I kind of feel like, you know, she kept telling Mark that she wanted to get Helena back, and he basically just took her to her, so... I'm torn, you know? Like, maybe it kind of is as a ruse. I don't really know. But Mark was in a tough place, too, you know? I think that's sort of the thing about this show. Everybody gets sort of stuck in their corners, and, you know, everybody's just trying to survive. Shane said on Twitter, 305, I was shouting at my TV, I don't want Shay, I want Delphine. My heart was breaking when Helena left Sarah in jail. I hear you, Shane. Lots of people feel that way. About both of those things. <laughs> Edith says, Helena leaving Sarah broke my heart. I want to punch Dr. Cody and Paul, then go party with S, Fee, and Gracie. That sounds like a good plan, Edith. Edith also says, also, caster STD, ew, Kasima and Shay, cute, but I think maybe Rudy was taking pics of them. That actually makes it, that, that's a decent explanation for that. I mean, I don't know that who it was, but maybe. And lastly, Delphine! Love the app overall. Yay, Ksenia Solo. I want Delphine to return and do some actual science with Cosima, even if they're not a couple. Yes, the reunion of Mega Team Science Force. Is that what it, what it was? It's been so long I've forgotten. And Sally sent in another science voicemail, so thank you, Sally. Hello, Chris and Kevin. This is Sally. I'm calling with yet another science voicemail. And before I get to the science part, I think that for all these years, I have been mispronouncing Tatiana Maslany's name. I've been calling her Tatiana, and I've wondered why when people were referring to her with a nickname that they've called her Tat. But I believe I have just been mispronouncing her name, and it's Tatiana, not Tatiana. So if anyone can confirm or deny, please let me know. So it seems like... Every week we get some new information about how the clones were made. And then I have to revise my previous hypothesis about what I think happened and who has what DNA. So this week in episode five, we learned a little bit more about Abel, who was the stillborn child of Henrik and Bonnie. It seems that they were making out of castor DNA. And from what Dr. Cudi said to Rudy, it seemed like he didn't have the genetic insertion that made you and your brothers viable. So I don't know exactly what the genetic insertion was that made them viable, that is able to live. Like, does that involve the barcode? Is it also the thing that makes their brains glitch? Or is it something totally new? So we don't know. But we do know that for the caster clones to be viable, they have to have some sort of genetic material added to them. And I guess that's why Abel ended up being stillborn. He didn't have it. Either Henrik didn't know about it or wasn't able to make it happen. Then the second thing that I think we learn is that Sarah, maybe she isn't the wild type per se after all, like I've been thinking all this time. And the reason that I wonder about that is they took her blood and even though they have Abel's DNA, they still have to get it from the bones, like Dr. Cootie said, but they also need to, I guess, sequence part of Sarah's DNA to try and fix the caster clones. Now, I'm not sure 
it could be just because they're siblings that maybe she's got, you know, whatever the DNA sequence is that they need to find out, you know, to fix. Presumably they'll get that from Abel and they'll be able to do gene therapy, as Dr. Cootie said, but, you know, there's no guarantee they're going to get usable DNA from him. I wonder, though, just from the way that they phrase some of the things, maybe Sarah and then by extension Helena had some kind of additional genetic manipulation done to them. So maybe they do have a barcode after all. Maybe they do have the thing that would make, that made the other Lita clones sterile, but then they had something else done to their DNA that fixed that. I don't know which I think, I don't know if we have enough information to 100% say one way or the other, but, you know, it's possible that, you know, Sarah and Helena's DNA has been altered from the original, from the wild type, and they've got some kind of like fix it sequence in there. Either way, it just, the plot continues to thicken and I can't wait to find out more about it. Okay. So here's the deal about Tatiana's name, (laughs) because we've always tried to pronounce everything correctly that we can. We did actually look up like videos and stuff of Tatiana saying her name, and I am going to link in our show notes this video where they talk about her name. She says her name at the beginning, and then there's a, a it's a BBC America video, maybe you've seen it. They ask her if if fans mispronounce her name a lot. So here's the conclusion I've come to, basically. I think the Canadians say Tatiana, like, a you know, Tat, Tatiana. And Americans tend to say Tatiana, because last week she had been on some talk shows and like all the talk show hosts had said Tatiana. But if you listen to the official Orphan Black podcast, which is at Clonecast on Twitter, by the way, like everybody they've had on that show has said Tatiana. So like, is it a Canadian US thing? Like, I don't know. Somebody tell me if you have input here. But um. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what is more correct. When she says her name, it sounds like Tatiana. So I am going to try to say it as close to that as I can. And I apologize to everyone. (laughs) But back to the sciencey part. (laughs) Sally had mentioned that they talk about the part that made them viable, the, the clones. And I mean, we know that that's what Topside and Dyad are after, because that's what they wanted from Duncan because they couldn't make them viable. Remember, they they introduced Charlotte and said that she had been their only success out of, I think they said something like 400 attempts. And she was the only one who was successful. And that was why. It was because they were missing, I forget what sequence it was that that they were saying, but um, something that the Duncans had come up with. And so, yeah, that's why they're after Duncan's information, apparently. We also got this message on Tumblr from Tiaras in Space, saying, I just finished listening to the short podcast from 305. I agree, this episode was the best of the season. The scenes from Gracie slash S slash Felix were amazing. Also, there was a Mr. S, and then in parentheses says, I saw a post on Tumblr speculating that Mrs. S was the one who killed her husband. What? Why? Why would someone think this? End parentheses. As a co-fiend shipper, I really liked Shay and don't believe we have any reason not to trust her. P. 
P.S. As much as I enjoyed seeing Sarah and Helena working together, I sort of saw that coming. Okay, full disclosure. For a second, for a second, when Mrs. S. was talking about how John Sadler had died, it crossed my mind that maybe she did it. But I don't know. I Like, I don't think she really did. But it's still something that is in the back of my mind as a possibility. And as far as why someone would think that, <laughs> here's here's the deal. <laughs> she had just been talking about how, you know, he was a drunk and getting into fights and that sort of thing. And so I can see if he got rowdy, like Mrs. S would have no issue dispatching him, I feel like. And that would also explain why she was so hesitant to even talk about it to Sarah and Felix. And the other thing is, like, remember what happened to the the bird watchers last season? Like, Mrs. S has that in her. It's not completely unreasonable to me that she would be capable of doing that. Again, I don't, I don't think she really did it. But uh, just to to answer your question, like, why would someone think that? That is why. Those are my reasons. And so that that concludes this episode's feedback roundup, I guess you might say. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. So those are some, <laughs> some of our many, many thoughts <laughs> about episode 305. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Send an email to feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. You can leave us a voicemail by calling 972-514-7223. You can send us a voice message using your computer or mobile device by clicking the Send Voicemail tab on the right-hand side of our website, TatianaIsEveryone.com. You can also record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us. That works just fine. You can also leave a comment on the show notes for this episode at TatianaIsEveryone.com slash 72. You can also find us on Twitter at TIE Podcast. We're also on Tumblr and Facebook. And once again, thank you for joining me, Kevin. Oh, my pleasure. It was a blast talking about things. So hopefully I didn't screw anything up too bad. No, no, of course not. And and where can everybody find you on the interwebs? Uh, I, I do several podcasts with my friends uh, Brent and Wendy over at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com, where we cover all the genre shows and do other specific podcasts for B-movies and some Game of Thrones stuff, a Lost Girl rewatch podcast. We try to have fun with the genre. Awesome. And you're on Twitter at? K Batchelder, B-A-C-H-E-L-D-E-R. Everybody go check out Kevin's podcasts. <laughs> and in this episode, Kevin's great affection for Ksenia Solo was played by Tatiana Mislani. Thanks for listening. <laughs>